Good morning. <laughs> Our scripture today is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. Love is patient, love is kind. It is not envy, it does not boast. It is not so, <laughs> does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This is the word of the Lord. Eliza, well done. Did you hear what she just read? Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Uh, Easier said than done. I know we're celebrating our own uh, golden end. What did I say? Where's everybody going? Okay. Bye, kids. All right. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Well, we're celebrating our golden anniversary here. Uh, Recently, a local news channel uh, gave an interview of a woman who was celebrating her golden wedding anniversary, and they asked her, what was the secret to your long and happy marriage? And she said, well, on my wedding day, I decided uh, to choose ten of my husband's faults which for the sake of our marriage, I would always overlook. And they asked her, well, can you list some of those faults? He said, well, tell you the truth, uh, I never did get to listing them, but whenever my husband did something that made me hopping mad, I would just say to myself, lucky for him, that's one of the ten. So, (laughs) love does not keep a record of wrongs. Literally here in 1 Corinthians 13, it means love does not reckon the evil or love does not count the number of wrongs. That's what it means. It's similar to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, where he says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What was the message? He's no longer counting our sins against us. That's good news for you and for me. Just as God in Christ doesn't count our sins against us, so we are called not to count the sins against others who have wronged us. It's not easy to do, but I think maybe it's time for us to take a crash course again, a refresher course, if you will, on forgiving others. And I want to draw from the briefest of Paul's letters, Philemon, because I think it has something to say about forgiveness here and how we can find the way to forgiveness. You probably know the story. Onesimus, who was a slave of Philemon, had fled. And Philemon was obviously upset about it, so Paul writes a letter to Philemon asking him to forgive Onesimus and take him back as a brother in Christ. Now, Paul's words were Philemon in context, but they are very much for you and me as well. So let's look at this. What is the way to forgiveness? Well, first of all, Accept the offender. Accept the offender. Look at verse 17 of Philemon. Philemon 17. So if you consider me your partner, this is Paul appealing to Philemon. If you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Now the word there for welcome, oftentimes it's, it's translated accept. Uh, the Greek word there literally means to take into oneself to take into oneself. What it's saying is welcoming or accepting someone is just not a mere act of protocol here. It's talking about taking them in, accepting them with their shortcomings just as hopefully you accept your own shortcomings. You know, unacceptance builds 
barriers. And, and Christ came to remove that barrier for you and me, right? In fact, the word in the Greek for forgive literally means to remove the barrier. That's what it means. And so that's what we are called to do because just as Christ removed the barrier for you and for me, we need to remove that barrier for one another. Because we need each other. We need a forgiveness, especially in the body of Christ, do we not? We need one another. Oftentimes that's easier said than done. But we are among our tribe here, and we are brothers and sisters. I like the way the German philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer put it. He compared the human race to a bunch of porcupines huddling together on a cold night. And it's a cold winter's night, and he said this, and I'm quoting him here. The colder it gets outside, the more we huddle together for warmth. But the closer we get to one another, the more we hurt one another with our sharp quills. But he goes on to say, in the lonely night of Earth's winter, eventually we, we, we begin to drift apart and wander out on our own and freeze to death in our loneliness. Well, Jesus has given us an alternative to all this, is to forgive each other in spite of the way we poke and wound one another and remain close. That keeps us together as family, keeps us together as a tribe. So to forgive someone, or at least to begin forgiving someone, you begin by taking them on, taking them in as a fellow sinner. You accept them as Christ accepted you. But in order to do this, we might have to do something else as well. Secondly, remember where you came from. <laughs> remember where you came from. Look at Philemon 18 and 19, the next verses. And I didn't put these caps in here, okay? The NLT, the NLT did. If he has wronged you, Philemon, in any way, or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Now, what's going on here? Uh, uh, Paul, when he would sign his epistles, uh, that's what the NLT is trying to emphasize because quite frequently Paul would dictate his letters. You probably know that. But he would always say, I, Paul, sign this with my own hand. This is my signature. But it's interesting with Philemon. It's very unique because he actually signs it before he's finished with the letter. He signs a little bit earlier, and I just picture him saying, you know, if, if, if Onesimus has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Oh, give me the pen. I just see him, you know, the guy, whoever is, is writing this, says, oh, give me the pen. Let me write this. And so Paul emphatically says what? I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And then he uses a marvelous rhetorical technique. He says, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Uh, he's mentioning what he says he's not going to mention, okay? In order to tell Philemon, you know what? Through the ministry that I came to you with, you were saved. You were rescued. And you, in a sense, owe me that, okay? So do you not owe that to Onesimus? That's what he's doing there. Paul is, in a sense, repositioning Philemon from, from a creditor to a debtor. So we're all caught in this web of sin, and including Philemon and Onesimus. Think about it. They're caught in that brutal, uh, evil web of slavery. Uh, that's a whole other sermon on Philemon. But, but keep in mind, all people, whether perpetrators or victims, have fallen short of the glory of God. All have shortcomings. As C.S. Lewis put it, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has excused the inexcusable in you. Let me say that again. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Who is that for you? Because God has excused the inexcusable in you. You know, when you struggle to forgive, remember who you are and where you came from. I remember reading about 
uh, something that occurred during World War I. There was a German soldier who was in the midst of a terrible firefight and bullets were flying everywhere and he dove into a foxhole and found a wounded enemy there. And the man was, was drenched in his own blood and it was clear that he was soon to die. But, but the German man t- took pity on him and out of compassion he found some water in there and, and cradled the man's head and his arm and gave him some water to drink as he lay dying. And between them passed this bond, I guess you could say, of friendship. And, and, and the dying man pointed to his shirt pocket. And, and, and the soldier, the German soldier, took out a wallet, and within it were pictures of this man's family. And so he held them up, held up each picture to his enemy so he could see his family members one last time before he passed. Bullets are raging and there's war all around, but these two enemies for a moment were non-enemies. Perhaps you could say they were friends. Now, did all wars cease to exist and were all uh, wrongs made right? Well, no, but what happened was simply this. Two enemies saw each other as humans in need of help, in need of rescue. And this is the basis of authentic forgiveness. It's rising above war. It's looking beyond the uniform. And it's realizing that, you know, you're no longer a foe or maybe even a friend, but you're someone who is a fellow soldier, a fellow wounded soldier who's longing to make it home safely. That's where we all are as equally wounded and depraved sinners. Well, what about you? Let me ask you for just a moment. Close your eyes for just a moment. Who comes to the surface? when you think about someone whom you need to forgive and that Jesus desires you to forgive just as he forgave you? Who comes to your mind, to your heart? Okay, thank you. Because I'm wondering if there's, a, if there's a soldier in your path whom you need to care for, whom you need to forgive. And perhaps, perhaps, if it's possible, you could go and be reconciled to that person or at least to forgive them. Forgive them at a distance if that's all you can do given whatever limitations. You know, live up to what Paul said in Ephesians 4. Forgive one another just as God and Christ has forgiven you. So we need to accept the sinner. And we need to remember where you and I came from. But finally, we need to get to the point to bless them with forgiveness. Bless with forgiveness and move on. Move on. Look at Philemon 20 and 21. Paul says, yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I asked and even more. And even more. Now, we can only guess what happened here. Did Philemon forgive Onesimus? I am quite convinced that because this letter got into the biblical canon that that's exactly what occurred. But I find it interesting that Paul says, do what I ask and even more. I'm confident you will do that. What was the even more? And some people like to speculate that, well, probably that means that Onesimus eventually was set free by Philemon. That he was no longer a slave. But we don't know that. We cannot verify that. Or... Some suggest that what he's saying there is, do what I ask and even more, it's a demand for you and me as well. Because sometimes, as you know, forgiveness is a process. When I say to you that we are called to forgive and move on, hear me when I say, I'm not saying forgive and just completely forget about it, blot it out, because we cannot do that. 
in our broken state. Sometimes we just cannot forget. We can forgive but not forget. Which is why Jesus made it very clear that forgiveness is indeed a process. Someone asked him, are we to forgive someone seven times? And what did Jesus say? No, not seven times, but what? Everybody remember? Seventy times seven. What is Jesus saying there? Sometimes it takes time, and you need to plant a seed of forgiveness and cultivate that forgiveness and move toward the goal of ultimate full forgiveness. Plant a seed and diligently move toward that full fruition of forgiveness. It's sad, it's sad how often we fail to commit to that. We'll nod our heads and underline something in the Bible, do, but do we actually do it? And it reminded me of something I read about Beth Moore, the wonderful Bible teacher. She was in Angola many years ago wanting to draw attention to the malnourishment that was going on down there that was killing thousands of people. And she was walking around with her Angolan guide, and the guide said this. He said, one of the most frustrating things is that in villages where they receive the seed that we give them, they often eat the seed rather than planting it and bringing forth the harvest. Instead of planting it and sowing it and reaping a harvest, they just eat the seed. And Beth Moore said this. She said, I couldn't get that statement out of my mind, and I applied it to forgiveness. She asked this question. Why have many of us read books on forgiving people, known the teachings were true and right, cried over them, marked them up with highlighters, yet remain in our bitterness because, she said, we ate the seed instead of sowing it. Ate the seed instead of sowing it. We can read all we want about forgiveness and nod our heads, yes, I know, need to forgive, but we fail to plant the seed and sow it and let it come to fruition need to cultivate them. Start small, perhaps. Sometimes it's hard to get on that road of forgiveness with someone who has so wronged you, but be resolute in at least stepping into that, planting that seed, and move toward that resolution that Christ wants you to strive toward. Now, I want to show you a story of forgiveness and how hard this must have been. Uh, I get the sense that from the gentleman who was wrong that he is still processing toward full forgiveness, just as it is with you and me in many cases. But you'll understand as you watch, just the fact that this man planted the seed of forgiveness is nothing short of amazing, and I would say miraculous. The holiday season was about hope and redemption, and we end tonight with a man who survived on hope as he served 39 years for a crime he did not commit. He was released a few weeks ago, but he wasn't fully free. There was something that he had to do, which led him to a man in search of redemption. Vicentia Arenas has our story. This is where it all started. Right, right here. The store used to be right here. 39 years ago, on this street corner, a money order salesman was robbed and shot to death as he left this neighborhood store in Cleveland. Five days later, the police had three suspects in custody. One of them was 18-year-old Ricky Jackson, the alleged trigger man. I can remember that day so vividly because that was the, the last day that I felt like I was really alive. In 1975, Jackson and two friends were sentenced to death. We were innocent, and they was about to murder us for something we didn't do. No physical evidence linked the men to the crime, but the police had an eyewitness, a 12-year-old boy named Edward Vernon. 
Young Vernon testified under oath that he saw Jackson pull the trigger, even though he was several blocks away on the school bus when shots rang out. They knew that I didn't see anything. Everybody knew that uh, it was a lie. Now, 52, Vernon spoke to us on camera for the first time with his pastor at his side. All these years I've been holding this uh, shame and guilt and inside, you know, wanting to release it, wanting to come forward and, and do the right thing. Vernon said he fingered Jackson because he knew him from the neighborhood and was eager to help police. But after he failed to identify Jackson in a lineup, he says the officers began to feed him information, the number of assailants, the weapon used, the make and model of the getaway car. But you're saying you saw none of this. Right, that's right. They were telling you what to say? Yes. Yes. It was young Vernon's testimony that put Jackson on death row. I could halfway accept my punishment if I was guilty, but excuse me. Vernon eventually confided in his pastor, Anthony Singleton. I said, I'll be with you. I'll support you. He just bust out crying. It's like something just came out of him. The Ohio Innocence Project asked for a new trial. The case will be dismissed. Vernon took the stand in a Cleveland courtroom, and this time he told the truth. It's been seven weeks since Jackson, now 57, walked out of court a free man after his murder conviction was overturned. He spent all of his adult life behind bars. This is my living room, dining room, slash bedroom. Today, Jackson's reclaiming his life, studying for his driver's test, signing up for a library card. Now, Fisher. But there was something else he needed to do. Finally, come here, man. Forgive the man who put him behind bars. I took a lot of courage to do what you did, man. Thank you, man. Sorry, brother. We were both victims, man. It's all right, okay? I do forgive you, man. I wanted to be here personally to tell you that. How? How could this man hug and embrace me after all these years? I didn't always feel this way about Edward. For a lot of years, I really hated him, you know, for what he did to us. Mistakes were made, man, you know. But I knew I had to do this because I desperately want to move forward with my life. And the only way I can do that is to forgive him. Two men imprisoned by a lie set free by the truth. Vicente Arena, CBS News, Cleveland, Ohio. That had to be a difficult seed of forgiveness to plant. If, if he can do that, if he can do that, can you do that toward that person who wronged you, whom you know God wants you to forgive? It's so amazing to me that Jesus forgave us after we wronged him too, but you know, there's a big difference. I keep talking about forgiveness as a process. It's a process. Plant that seed and sow toward full forgiveness. For Jesus, it was instant. It was instant. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Which brings us to this table where... We're reminded that Jesus suffered and died, and yet 
immediately forgave. And so now we celebrate that forgiveness that we were given in Him. Now, as we have done, we will come forward to receive uh, the bread and the cup. And with this group over here, if you will exit out toward the wall and receive the elements and then go back to where you're seated. And, and please feel free to sit down and spend some time in meditation if, after you receive the elements. Folks in this section, if you'll come down this way, return to your pews that way. You all, uh, toward the wall, receive, and then go back. Uh, just to let you know, if for whatever reason you cannot uh, come forward, we're going to have two deacons in the back with some plates, and they can come forward and serve you wherever you're sitting. Just if you would, just raise your hand. And uh, we'll have a deacon come and serve uh, the bread and the cup to you. And finally, I'm going to be at the front. We're going to move immediately into the song of response. So I want to give you my invitation now, which is if you feel led to make some type of a special public statement today, maybe a profession of faith in Christ for the first time, or to express your desire to transfer your membership to this church, I'm going to move over here to the front uh, at the right time, and if you feel led to do that this morning, maybe you've been putting that off and it's time for you or you and your family to join our church or for you to make a first-time profession of faith in Jesus, I would love to see you do that this morning and I'll be standing at the front to greet you. Let's prepare our hearts for uh, the Lord's Supper. Pray with me as we receive the bread and the cup, O oh God. May we celebrate being forgiven by you, but also meet your challenge to us to commit ourselves to forgiving others. We pray these things in your name. Amen.